0: Welcome to Thoughtfully Mindless. My name is Artie. In this episode, I am joined by Andalyn Price. Andalyn is a life coach who specializes in marriage and relationships. She gives her insights on coaching, the importance of word definitions when you're communicating with your partner, unconditional love, self-love, forgiveness, and much more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's welcome Andalyn. Andalyn, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am so looking forward to this. Awesome.
0: Um, so to start, can you walk us through your journey to becoming a life coach?
1: Um, sure. Um, I would say my story really begins in about 2016, where we had uh, we had been upside down in a house for quite some time. We were finally able to pay it down enough that we could sell it and move to a new house. So we had just moved to our current home and I was in this place where I thought, I'm not happy.
2: Um, I think I had been fooling myself,
1: like trying to convince myself I was happy For a really long time, because I had all the things that you think you need or want to be happy. But I realized I sort of self-diagnosed with what I call walking depression. So like walking pneumonia, um, you're still like up and functional, but you're sick. And so I was functional. I wasn't like severely depressed. I just was never as happy as I thought I should be. And so I started looking for resources and I started listening to podcasts and reading more books. I'd always been a big reader, but I started reading more books and different kinds of books and realizing that like there's more to life and there's more to me than what I'm doing right now. I just was like tired of folding the same clothes every week and washing the same dishes every day and I love my children immensely, of course. Yeah. And I love my husband, but it just wasn't enough. And I was in this space of like, what do I really want to do with my life for a really long time? Because growing up, I was thought I'll grow up, I'll get married and I'll have children and I'll be their mom and that will be it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you know, that, that's pretty much the plan. And that was as far as the plan went. But then I got there and I'm like, wait, there's got to be more here. This is not enough to help me be fulfilled and contributing in the way that I know that I can. So um, I was sort of just searching for something, not really knowing what that thing was going to be. Um, At one point, I started teaching music lessons, which was really fun for me. And then through just, I don't know exactly, there wasn't just one big event. But I remember a conversation that I was having during lockdown with So during lockdown, my family has started a tradition of having a Zoom call every Sunday evening, Okay. um, just to connect with everybody and to, you know, see how everybody's doing. And one time my younger sister said, we were talking about our long-term goals. And she said, in five years, I want to have a thriving life coaching practice. And I was like, oh, I want that too. It was sort of her suggestion I was like, wait, you can do that? I could do that. I could become a life coach. And so it was a little while later that I really jumped in and decided to become certified and actually like go all in. Um, And the really cool thing is that she got in at the same time that I did. So we finished our certification at the same time. and So we're in a lot of the same... Area, you know, we're doing a lot of the same things and figuring it all out together. And it's been so lovely to have her with me on this journey because, like, really, I don't know if I could have stuck with it without somebody with me to walk this path with me.
0: Yeah. It's always nice when somebody is going on a venture. It doesn't have to be like a partnership, but like going alongside somebody, it's always nice to have somebody along there with you. Mm -hmm. Um, What does the certification process for a life coach look like?
1: It really depends on where you go. Okay. But for me, it was six months and there were nine of us in a group and we'd have meetings every week and we would have videos to watch like instruction videos. And we had practice coaching. We would submit practice coaching calls and we would practice coaching each other. And, um, it was a 6-month process for me and I learned so much and it was wow. even the process itself was totally worth it.
0: Awesome. So when did you become fully certified? Was that 2021?
1: That was 2022.
0: Okay. Okay, nice. So what does a coaching session with you look like?
1: Well, the client comes on it, I coach via Zoom mostly. And so the client will come on and I will ask them what is going on for them or how they're doing. It kind of depends on if it's a brand new client, or if it's someone I've been working with for a while. Um, Sometimes we have very specific things planned out to work on. But a lot of times it's like, what's going on for you today? Like, what is the problem that you're dealing with today? And then we'll talk about it and they'll tell me their story and I can pick out what the pattern is that they're creating. So every, everything is a relationship, and that's why I love relationship coaching because it goes into, like, every area of our lives, including the relationship with yourself. So um, I can – in every relationship is co-created between the both people. And so every, you are contributing to what's going on. And if I can show people how they're contributing to whatever the problem is, they can change it. Or they can have a new perspective and think differently about it. If it's something that you can't change, some things you can't really change. And so it's so helpful just to have a new perspective. And I have this outside neutral perspective that I can bring to their situation and show them a way of looking at it that's different than it was. So that either they can accept how it is or they can know what they want to do to change things. Okay.
0: Hey, so my girlfriend helped me come up with this question because um, she was interested. So, if somebody is wanting help in their relationship, um, a life coach is an option, or, or like a, a psychologist, a therapist is an option too. So, what are the what's the overlap there, and what are the differences between the
1: two? Um, I have never done marriage therapy myself, so mm-hmm. I can't really speak to that. Um, generally, it's described as co- coaching is taking the now and looking forward, and therapy is taking the now and looking backward. So why are you this way? Tell me about your mother. You know, people kind of joke that you sit on the couch and talk about your mother or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's more about like looking at the past and seeing how it brought you to now. And coaching us more about where are you now and where do you want to be and looking forward to the future more than the
2: past.
0: Okay, so you're, you're not analyzing what happened leading up to so much as like just a plan for going forward.
1: Mostly, yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. there is some looking back at how you were raised or how the patterns have been in your relationship, but that's not the main focus.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you ever have to reject clients? Like if somebody comes to you for life coaching, are there situations where you have to say, this isn't something I can work
1: with? Mm -hmm, There are some. If someone is highly traumatized, um, I would refer them out. If someone is not ready to start making changes for themselves, usually those people are not going to coaches. Yeah. But, um, or for example, if somebody had a story that was too close to mine and I didn't feel like I could separate my own emotions out from their story, if I was, I haven't had this actually happen, but if that were to, to be the case, I might just refer them to somebody else.
0: Okay. Okay. What do you do in situations where one person in the marriage or relationship wants to work on things, but another the other person is more hesitant or completely unwilling to put in the work?
1: Um, there's this interesting phenomenon that happens when one person in a relationship starts working on themselves. If the relationship is like good and true, then they can't help but affect the other person. So an example of that is If for example, a couple is having the same argument over and over, and they just always argue the same way. When one person is able to look at themselves and learn how to self-regulate, they will show up to the conversation differently. They'll start saying different things, new things, which automatically changes the trajectory of the conversation. And so I think of it like a zipper. If you zip your zipper up, 500 times, it goes the same way every time. But if you take out one of the teeth of the zipper, it stops the zipper. Yeah. And you only have to have a tooth taken out on one side. Like It only has to, to change on one side of the zipper, the other side, and it, it will change the trajectory, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't, it really helps if both people are on board. And I find that if you're patient enough, your partner will eventually get on board once they see the goodness that comes from doing the work.
0: Okay. So when you have clients, are are you often working with just one person in the couple or are you usually working
2: with both?
1: I do both of those things. So up to now, my experience has mostly been working with one member of the couple. And I've coached on many different kinds of topics, not just relationships. Okay. Um but my my real love is working with both okay. members of the couple because that is where like it helps them to have a shared vocabulary. It helps them to understand the concepts. If they both understand from the same source, then they can have a conversation where the definitions of the words they're using are the same. If that makes sense. And so they can understand each other better and their progress is faster.
0: Okay, I like that. Um, I actually think that's a much broader issue um, in the world is that people are using words with different definitions and just not understanding what Mm -hmm. each other are saying because that's the purpose of language is to be able to communicate what you're saying. And if somebody is using a different definition, it makes it pretty hard.
1: Right, but when you're using the same word and you think you both have the same understanding of what that means. So often like I've had so many conversations not only with my husband but also with my children about like wait and I'll we'll be talking and I'll be like wait, what do you mean by this thing? Yeah. Like what do you actually mean when you say that? And then they'll tell me and I'm like, "Okay, this is where the problem is because you're thinking of this as a whole different thing than what I was thinking." And so once we can figure it, like, once that is resolved, then we can actually, like, move forward in the conversation rather than keep going around and around.
0: Yeah. So in your opinion, what are the characteristics of a healthy marriage or relationship?
1: First, I wanted to say love, of course. Yeah. But I think even more important than love is integrity. Integrity leads to trust, which leads to safety which leads to commitment. And when you have integrity, trust, safety, and commitment, that is the fertile soil where love can grow. If any of those things are, and the, you don't have to be a hundred percent. I don't think that you have to trust your spouse 100% before you can love them. I don't think that somebody has to be 100% honest and, and have integrity before you can have a good relationship. But the higher those things are, the stronger your relationship, the more you'll have unconditional love for each other. And the lower those things are, the more that your feelings of love and commitment will struggle.
0: Do you feel like love comes before trust or after usually?
1: Um, it depends on what you mean by love. So okay. we think about love as a feeling. And you can meet somebody for the first time and already feel something for them. You can already feel kinship. I wish we had more than one word for love, but like you can meet somebody and feel kinship or feel excitement. You know, that person's really attractive and feel, you know, those arousal feelings from not even knowing their name. Yeah. So you can feel things about a person before you know anything about them. But I think unconditional love comes after a, Bit of time with them, learning about them, um, because the way I think about unconditional love, or let me back up a little bit. So there's love as a feeling. There's also love as an action. I love you by folding your clothes for you, by doing service for you, by physical touch, all the love language things. Like I can show love, or do the actions of love for somebody that I love. And that's a choice and that has nothing to do with what I'm feeling on the inside. I can do actions of love towards somebody who I'm annoyed with. I don't have to be feeling love in order to do love. And there's a, that's choice based. So I'm choosing to, you know, put gas in your car, even if we had an argument last night, because I want to show you that I care about you. That I care about what you care about. But unconditional love can't happen until after you know the darker parts of somebody, like their flaws, their faults, their. Because if you still love them, even though you know about some of their less exciting qualities, that's unconditional. But when you just meet somebody and you don't know anything about them, you can still care for them. You can have all kinds of positive emotions and thoughts about them. But that love has not been tested. But unconditional love has been tested and tried and proven.
0: Okay. Um, When you mentioned you wish there were different words for love, I can't speak on this like too much because I don't really know all the details. But there are some cultures that have different words for love. I, I know like agape, I don't know how to pronounce it right, but A-G-A-P-E um, mm-hmm. is considered like the highest form of love. And I don't know what the other ones are. I actually came across it in, you know, Paulo Coelho? Um, he wrote The Alchemist.
1: Um, that does not sound familiar to me, but I have heard of what you're talking about, the different words okay. that other yeah. cultures have for love. Like brotherly love or like romantic love, and but in English we don't really have that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's love is just one word in English, and it's it is frustrating because you have love for your friends, you have love for your spouse, you have love for different things. Um, Yeah, and it's different, but we just use the same word, which is it's not as nuanced as I would like for sure. Yeah, me too. So, what are some Obvious and not so obvious signs of a relationship needing change.
1: I think disconnection. If either partner feels disconnected, that's a pretty obvious one. Um, for me, it was unhappiness. I wasn't just feeling the joy that I thought I would once I had, you know, the house and the kids and the everything provided. that You know what I mean? Like the the life that you set up. I wasn't happy. Yeah. Part of that was myself. Like I wasn't happy with my life uh, the way I'd set it up. But it did. My husband was a big part of that. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't like anything that he had done or said exactly. But um, if either if anybody's unhappy or if they feel like it's not an equal partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will say, I feel like I do more than my spouse. And this happens for everybody. Not, I mean, I hear it from women more often than I hear it from men, but it's definitely something that men go through as well, um,
2: yeah.
1: that they feel like they're doing more and that their spouse is not pulling their weight. That would be a sign that something needs to change.
0: Okay. Yeah, you know, It feels like we... Tend to overestimate the work that we're doing and underestimate the work that other people are doing in a partnership, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. relationships going from marriage to like business partnerships too. I think that's pretty common.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So, how do the words we use influence our relationships?
1: Um. All words carry an energy. All the all words have a feeling associated if that makes sense. Um, Some are strong feelings and some are more neutral, but every word has a meaning. Yeah. So that will, I mean, if you want to get science-y, that um, causes a chain reaction in your body that produces hormones, which produce an emotion, basically. So when you're using lower vibration words, you're inserting lower vibration into your relationship. So the big one that I talk about is in marriage, when people are getting married or newly married, a lot of times the, the advice is, well, you know, in marriage you have to compromise. And I don't like that word to use in a relationship context mm-hmm. because it to compromise yourself, means to weaken your position, to ho- open yourself to be vulnerable to attack. That's not quite the way I want to say it, but um, but it, it's like you have to give some of your power away in order to be married. Yeah. And I don't like that idea because then you have a power struggle in the relationship. Yeah. You have well. So the word that I use instead is collaborate. A marriage, any kind of relationship, really ideally will be a collaboration between all the people that are involved. So um, it means this is what I'm coming to the table with, and this is what you're coming to the table with. And how can we make it all work? This is what I need. This is what you need. We have different wants. We have different dreams. We have different goals. How can we make room for everybody's desires? And sometimes that does mean sacrifice. Like sometimes one will have to give up something they want in order to allow the other person to have what they want. Like the classic example is when you have a baby, somebody needs to get up with the baby. And so the parents need to sacrifice their own sleep needs for the needs of the baby. And eventually that goes away. but Um, because we care about the baby, we're willing to give up our sleep to take care of their needs. And so it's not exactly saying everybody gets everything they want all the time. Yeah. But when you are collaborative, you're agreeing to give up what you want sometimes. And they're agreeing to give up what they want sometimes, but in a way that satisfies everybody, that everybody can agree on rather than like, one person getting their way all the time and the other always sacrificing what they want. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned low vibration words. Could you give some examples? I, I would imagine um, compromise is one of those, but can you give mm-hmm. a few more examples of what that means?
1: Sacrifice can be a low vibration word. It kind of, again, it depends on what you make it mean. Yeah. Um, I prefer like giving. Like, I'm giving this to you rather than I'm sacrificing this for you. Um, Guilt is a low vibration word. Hate is low vibration. I'm trying to think of them in the context of relationships. Um, Shame is probably like the lowest vibration emotion that there ever is anywhere. Um, And so when we think about shame, it it brings us down. I'm trying to think I know there's more, and I just they're not coming to me right now, but
0: so um how do you create a collaborative relationship from one of compromise?
1: It really depends on the individual situation. Um, I think one that I can relate to a lot is like cooking meals, okay. when we first married, it was kind of. Because I was a stay-at-home parent, it was expected that I would cook. And, you know, I cooked a lot. And it wasn't that my husband wouldn't, because he enjoys cooking as well. But he would cook when he wanted to, but otherwise sort of expected me to, whether yeah. I wanted to or not. Um, but coming to it more collaboratively would be like, hey, let's decide which days each, bu- each one of us is going to cook, or let's um, figure out how this can work for both of us like what do you want to do what do I want to do and if nobody wants to cook then what are we going to do rather than making it a competition like well I cooked last night and I cooked the last three weeks in a row and now it's your turn and I'm just not going to do it that's not collaborative but collaborative is taking into account my situation and his situation and saying if we're both like at 50% that day and we're like we're not doing it like One really good example is on days when we've been moving. Like Mm. when you're moving, you're tired, you've been working hard all day, and all your stuff is packed in boxes and you don't know where anything is, so you buy pizza, you know, or you, you go out or something. But it's making sure that you are giving equal weight to both perspectives.
0: Okay. That makes sense. You mentioned that you had depression Uh, Standing depression in 2016. So, can you feel free? You don't have to go personal or anything, but can you explain how your relationship has changed since then? Because obviously, if you're, if someone's coming to you for help with their relationship, they're going to want to know that you're in a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're coming from a place of wisdom in that sense. So, can you go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest difference now than what we had in 2016 is that I feel more free or more courageous to tell him what I'm thinking, to be much more honest with him and also honest with myself about what I really think and want and feel. So there was a lot of times when I was like, I'm feeling this way, or I want to say this thing, but I probably shouldn't, I can't. And It might break the relationship if I said these things out loud. Yeah. And so I would hold back and then holding back usually is a recipe for resentment. I think we both had a lot of resentment because he was the same way. Oh, I can't say that to her because she'll get mad and then we'll fight and it won't be good. Yeah. But we've gotten to a place where we can tell each other the things that are hard for each other to hear without getting reactive without turning into a fight every time. Not that we don't ever fight. We of course do like every relationship. It's not perfect, but we've learned how to first prepare each other for something. I want to tell you something, but it might be hard for you to hear. So I want to preface, you know, I want to prepare you for that. So we, instead of just dropping a bomb on each other, we'll find a quiet place. We'll say, there's something I'm going to want to talk to you about. And so that we know, okay, prepare to regulate myself, prepare to take some deep breaths, prepare. And so that we both can be much more honest with each other, which then leads to trust, commitment, safety, all the good things. And so I don't feel like we need to hide things from each other like we used to. Okay. And that's such an important part of a relationship there's because Any amount of hiding will weaken the trust that you feel.
0: Yeah, I like that you guys feel more free to share what you're thinking because, I mean, I've been in a relationship for a while and it can get frustrating when you know there's something on the other person's mind, but they're not sharing it. So Mm -hmm. it it seems like we often know that there's something there that's not being said and it gets frustrating not just knowing. And it's usually easier to just hear those things and deal with it rather than deal with the consequences of just letting it brew under the surface. Mm -hmm. So can you give some examples of wording changes that people, you already gave a few, but some changes that, that people can use with wording to improve their relationships?
1: One big one is to use I statements So this is the way I see it, or it seems to me like you, this, or it's, or I feel this way about a thing, or I want to do this and not in a selfish way, Mm -hmm. but in a way that is non-threatening. Like nobody wants to be told what to do and nobody wants to be told what, how they think or feel. And so if I'm going to him saying, well, you said this and this means you are this way and this is what I see about you, that just comes across as criticizing. Okay. Whereas saying, I feel this way, and this is the way I perceive this situation, that's being that's revealing yourself rather than staying keeping yourself closed off and just criticizing what you see in the other person.
0: Okay. So like saying I feel this way about a situation rather than you did this to me or something like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, How do you recognize if one person in the relationship is not sharing a definition of a word?
1: Um, For me, it was a lot of going in circles in conversations. So I would okay. say, well, you just said this thing. And then I would give my response to that. You'd be like, that's not what I said. Or when it's, when it's just something you just can't get progress on because you keep saying the same thing over and they keep saying the same thing over and you're just not getting it. A lot of times there will be a definition of a word in there somewhere that they're not agreeing on. Some something. That is that they're not having the same concept of because they can't move forward because they're still stuck in like not getting what the other's saying.
0: Yeah. How does how does the relate? Uh, sorry. How does the conversation around that work? So when you recognize that there's a wording definition that's not lining up, how do you have that conversation to bridge that gap?
1: Well, I think it can be as easy as saying, what do you mean by that? And then you can talk about, okay, well, this this is what this means to me, and this is what this means to you. And sometimes it's a matter of being like, okay, so assuming this is the definition of that, now we can have a more common ground to have this discussion.
0: Do you recommend that people figure that out? So obviously, those mismatches with definitions will happen in the heat of a fight. Do you recommend that people figure out those mismatches in that moment or is it best to step back and figure that out later?
1: I think it depends on how dysregulated you are. And when I say dysregulated, basically that just means how angry you are Okay. or like how upset, um, how high your emotions are. If your emotions are really high, it's probably good to say this isn't working. We're not getting anywhere. Let's come back to it tomorrow. Or, Let's come back to it in an hour Let's take some time apart to think about it. And then we'll set a time to come back and finish this discussion when we're we're both have come down from our high emotions. But if you are regulated enough, if you're calm enough, then you can say, you can say right then be like, be more specific. Can you tell me more about, you know, what are, I wish I had a good example, but like so tell me what that means to you, and then they can explain it, and then you can go, and uh, there's been so many times I'm like, oh, okay, okay, now I get why this conversation is going nowhere because I was thinking it meant this, and you are having this whole other uh, idea of what was happening.
0: Yeah. How do you um, – do you have any recommendations for some couples fight with more heat in that, those fights than others? For ones that escalate quite a bit and get intense, do you have any recommendations for how people de-escalate those situations?
1: Um, I mean, it sounds really simple, but sometimes you can even set a timer if you need to, to stop and take deep breaths. Okay. Or some people will set a timer and say, you get to talk for five minutes and I will not say anything. And then you, get, And then we switch off every however many minutes and sometimes that helps to keep things down because their other person isn't jumping in and interrupting and not letting them get their full thought out um but i'm amazed by what taking deep breaths or having like 60 seconds of silence will do to like just bring you back down um generally speaking if you are have a lot of adrenaline going it will take probably at least 20 minutes to like come back down to calm. Um, and so if it's, if it's, you know, gotten really heated, I would say separate it for at least 20 minutes, maybe go for a walk. Okay. Um, having a hard conversation while you're walking can also be very regulating because I don't know why there's all kinds of science. I love science, but um I haven't studied it myself, but there's a lot of science that says that while you're walking, that helps regulate your nervous system. So if you're like, hey, you know it's going to be tough, if you can, just go for a neighborhood walk or go somewhere where you can walk around the park or something so that you can talk about it and help yourself stay regulated for that.
0: Is that something you've used personally a bit?
1: I don't know that we necessarily are like, okay, we're going to go for a walk so we can have this hard conversation, but we do love to walk in the evenings when the weather is nice. And then often on those walks, we will be able to better discuss things that have been bothering us or things that have not worked out so well in the past. So I don't know that we've intentionally set out to walk in order to discuss a specific thing so much as. Just, hey, let's go for a walk, spend some time together. It's quiet. It's even though we're outside, it's private, relatively private. There's not kids knocking on the door and
2: whatever.
1: So, but yeah, it has definitely been a good thing for our relationship.
0: Awesome. So, a couple comes to you, they're needing help with their relationship, and they want the simplest things first. They want to know what the simplest thing that they can implement. What are the simple, Simplest things that you would recommend for improving a relationship as quickly as possible, like the easiest changes people can make?
1: Spending more time together. It sounds really simple, but so many couples, especially when you have lots of kids, especially when you're working, you forget that you need to actually spend time together. Or you think we just don't have time to really spend time together. But we've last summer, I think maybe it was before that we started doing what we called mini dates. And so my husband's work schedule is not regular. Okay. He um, will sometimes work night shift. He'll sometimes work starting in the afternoon and into the night. He's a police officer. Okay. And so like that adds a whole other layer to our relationship But because it's not the traditional nine to five, home in the evening kind of uh, work schedule, we told ourselves for a long time, well, we don't have time for dates. We don't have time for whatever. But we realized that that was a big reason why we just weren't feeling connected is because we weren't taking the time to connect. So we would go somewhere for 30 minutes. And it's amazing how much connection you can achieve in just 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be, Whole day. It doesn't have to be a nice evening with everything. It doesn't have to be really planned. It could just be like, let's go to the park and sit on a bench or let's go get some ice cream or, you know, it doesn't have to be long. But what helps is if it's often. Yeah. So like once a week or more, I would say, to just stop and say, and making sure that what you're talking about in those times isn't always. Uh, What's on the news, or what the neighbor did, or what the kids are doing, or what's happening at work, but really saying, I've been feeling such and such lately. Or, you know, really opening up about what you believe and how you feel, and the more like inner stuff that you don't tell other people, and making sure that you're sharing some of that with them. Maybe not every single time, because it's also, you know, There's also times to just be joking around and having fun and, you know, and not be getting really deep and heavy into stuff. So, I mean, it sounds simple, just spend more time together and share yourself with them, but it's a lot harder to do in reality, I think, than we give credit for.
0: I'd imagine what you're doing during that time matters too. So are there certain things, you mentioned a few, like getting ice cream, sitting on a bench together and just talking, are there certain activities that you would recommend avoiding for that time that you, you're you spending together?
1: Um, not necessarily. It just depends on the couple and what they enjoy doing, what they want to do. Okay. We love walks. We live in a neighborhood where you can go on a walk and you can go on a longer or a shorter, but it's if you don't like walking or if there's some reason why that doesn't work for you, I mean something interactive is good. There are lots of apps that can give you ideas of questions to ask each other. Um, But there's nothing that I would say, don't do that, because it just depends on the individual couple and what they enjoy and what helps them feel connected to each other.
0: So what what comes to my mind when I'm thinking of things that maybe wouldn't be a good idea are like TV. So Okay. Is it a good idea to just watch TV together, where you're not really focused on each other? You're focused more on just an external um, um, piece of information.
1: I mean, I know a lot of people say that, and maybe watching TV isn't necessarily the best way to connect. But on the other hand, we watch shows together,
2: yeah, and
1: sometimes we talk about the show later,
2: yeah, because
1: it will either it'll either come up in a joke. If it's like more of a comedy show, or sometimes we watch shows that are more like dramas. Yeah. And we'll be like, you know, like, oh, a couple of weeks ago we watched the entire series of The Matrix over a few weeks. Okay. And that one is really thought provoking. And there's a lot of like different things to discuss and explore. And so sometimes even watching TV or watching shows together can be connecting. So okay.
0: Yeah, I mean if you're laughing or enjoying something, I can definitely see the yeah. connection there. Yeah. And um, and if it if it spurs more conversation later, mm-hmm. it's all the better. Yeah. Too. Or if
1: it feels like a tradition, sort of like, oh, every Friday night we will watch an episode of Seinfeld or whatever the show you love. You know, every every and it's something you look forward to. And if you're watching a show, you can sit on the couch or the bed together and be close to each other. So that's physical connection that you can make even yeah. if it's not emotional connection or or talking. So there's still connection that can be made, even if it's just watching TV. Okay.
0: What do you... So we have a lot of distractions in our lives um, in this day and age. So aside from spending more time together, what other ways can couples maintain a connection?
1: Something that I see getting in the way of a lot of relationships is social media. So it's one thing, the amount of time someone is spending looking at social media, but it's also about looking at what the other is doing on social media. So there'll be an argument about, well, I looked at my husband's social media and he likes all these pictures of other women. Or the husband will be like, well, I was looking at, Seeing that my wife was talking to this other guy. And sometimes it's innocent. Sometimes it just happens to be a conversation or a, a liking of a post. But it can be really hurtful to the other person if they make it mean that my spouse is stepping out on me. And my spouse is, what if my spouse is cheating? You know, this is really, really damaging to a relationship. So, I think having clear expectations or boundaries or um, understanding agreements, that's the word I'm looking for. Having a clear agreement about what you want social media to be like in your relationship um, is a really big deal. It's more of a big deal than people think.
0: So, with social media, there tends to be a, well, people project their best possible face on social media. They want their lives to look amazing. They want other people to almost be envious of their lives. Um, That can lead to a lot of, we feel like our life isn't as good as it could be because Mm -hmm. we, we see all these people showing their best face, right? Yeah. How do you keep that from negatively influencing a relationship? Is it just a matter of re- limiting your time on social media or um directing your attention to certain things or what?
1: Mhm. I think that can be a big one is um watching who you follow, being intentional about what's in your feed as much as you can. Okay. About limiting the time that you're spending or noticing what you're looking at, but also what are you making it mean? Like even just reminding yourself, I see all these couples on vacation with their fun pictures of themselves and like, Oh, I'm so bored. I want to go on vacation, but we can't afford it. But understanding, keeping the perspective that those people aren't on vacation 24 seven, like they come home and they have the same boring life that I have, you know, or, um, but I think limiting the, the amount that you are looking at can also help. And also a big part would be the perspective you're having on your own relationship. It's easy when you get into a rough patch to think that this rough patch is never going to end. Okay. Or to forget about the good times that you had the perspective you have about your relationship is always going to revolve around what you're putting your attention on. So I think it's fun to, for example, keep wedding pictures out. I mean, we've been married over 20 years. and So yeah. our, our wedding was a long time ago and we're, you know, but it's nice to have that out or maybe not a wedding picture, maybe like a favorite vacation or just the favorite picture of you enjoying each other's company. Or something to walk by it and have a constant reminder of, like, oh yeah, we have good times too. Nah. We do love each other. We might not feel a lot of loving feelings right now, but we do love each other. And to okay. just make sure that you're keeping your focus where you want it to be.
0: Okay. Um, finances are a, a big deal with marriages and relationships. Mm-hmm. How can couples deal with financial struggles or financial challenges um and maintain that love and connection while also I mean you have to take those things serious and and deal with them properly. So how do you balance that?
1: Um This is a really big question because everybody's situation is different. Um and the way they handle their finances is so individual. But I would say that trust is really a big part of this. Um, can you give me a more like specific example that you're thinking? Because
0: Yeah, let's say one person in the couple tends to pay all the bills. Maybe they're stressed out about finances and they're not, the other person's not so involved. So maybe they don't know the stress is there or maybe they both, um, maybe they have kids and they they have big financial decisions to make with what they do with their kids with school and after school activities, things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so if one person is handling all the finances and the other one isn't, if both people are happy with that, and it's working, then I would say that's fine. But if the one is saying, but you're spending too much, or I don't like the way you're handling money. Um there needs to be a conversation had, I would say, about really you have to be honest and say, this is the way I'm feeling about the way you're spending money. Yeah. I know it's going to be hard for you to hear this because you're not going to want to change the the way that you're spending money. But um also being able to be curious about why they're doing it that way is going to be really helpful in having a conversation that's not like you need to change you need to do this different that's not accusatory yeah because a lot of people spend money for reasons other than it's something that we need um, there's a lot of like um, emotional shopping you might say yeah or um, just I mean it because money flows into every area of your life. Pretty much because everything costs money. Pretty much, yeah. Um, this is a big one because it touches every area. It touches the food you eat. It touches your entertainment. It touches your clothing. I mean, your well-being. It touches everything. But honesty about how you're feeling, honesty about your, um, if you are unhappy with the way your spouse is is handling money, is going to be the first step in that, and then making agreements.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, let's say one person in a relationship suffers from anxiety. Um, what are the best ways for the other person to be supportive and create a safe environment for their partner?
1: Mm, this is where I would come back to unconditional love. The other spouse can educate themselves about anxiety and what it's like for the person who's having anxiety, they can, um, so I think understanding why a person feels anxious is a big part of it. Um, Also, sometimes anxiety manifests as anger. So even being able to recognize that it is anxiety is a big deal for some people so generally very generally speaking i see more women who say i just feel so much anxiety or my anxiety and my and depression or something like they're a lot more able to own what their experience Mm -hmm. whereas if a man they i see it a lot less where men will come and say i'm feeling so much anxiety they'll just outburst in anger. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard for the other spouse to recognize that underneath the anger is anxiety. And if you can solve the anxiety, then the anger dissipates. Yeah. And so even just educating yourself on learning how to recognize it and then learning how to handle it, but it really how anxiety is handled really is so individual as well. Some people want to be comforted and you know give me a hug and some people want to be left alone to like give give me some space it depends on what the anxiety is caused by
0: okay and so how attainable is unconditional love i mean the word unconditional love to me sounds more fantasy i guess because okay like in my eyes like if you're in a relationship there are always conditions to maintaining that relationship and love. Like obviously if, if the other person's stepping out and sleeping around with other people, at least in most relationships, that's a deal breaker and that, Mm and that love will die. So like we all, it seems like we all have conditions to maintain that love. Um, Is it really Mm -hmm. attainable?
1: I believe it is. Okay. I don't know if it's, Possible to have unconditional love all the time. So it's, you can go in and out unconditional, conditional You can have unconditional love in a certain area, but conditional love in another area. But I think one thing that people get confused is boundaries versus love. Okay. And that's going to sound a little bit weird the way I said that, but um, the stronger your boundaries are, the more able to unconditionally love you are. Okay. Um. And if you understand that a boundary is not about controlling the other person, it's about making decisions about yourself. So if my boundary is, if my husband is unfaithful, I will divorce him. The irony is that actually makes me able to get closer because I know that if he does something to hurt me, I can protect myself. So boundaries are to protect yourself more than they are about trying to get the other person to do or not do something. So if I know that I'm going to take care of myself no matter what my husband does, it allows me to love him more. Okay, I can get closer to him because I'm not. Vulnerable in the dangerous sense. So Brene Brown talks about being vulnerable. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And for the purposes of this conversation, I want to say open-hearted is what I would, I would say that. So the more open-hearted I can be, the more I have my own back, but vulnerable in the sense of in danger I don't have the exact definition in the top of my mind, but like when somebody is in a vulnerable position, meaning like dangerous position, the less of that vulnerability that I have and the more open-heartedness I have, the more ability I have to truly love another person because the less they can hurt me.
0: Okay. So I I guess boundaries so are boundaries not conditions in some way
1: no i don't see it that way okay um well
2: let me think about this i think a boundary is me making
1: a decision about what i will do in any given situation um a condition would be, I'll only love you if. Like, a condition is more like, you have to do this. But I can divorce somebody and still love them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can still have no ill will. I can still um, say no to my child who's asking for donuts for breakfast out of love. Yeah. Like, I will not give you a donut for breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, You know, if you ask me for a donut for breakfast, I will say no, but that's a boundary set out of love. Okay. So if your boundaries are set from a place of love, then you can still love the person and hold your boundaries strong.
2: Okay.
0: So the concept of self-love is often emphasized. So how can we balance our self-love while being fully present and attentive in a committed relationship?
1: hmm So, so many contradictions, right? Because the more you love yourself, the more you can love other people. And there's a saying that something like, you can only love other people the same amount that you love yourself or something like that. And I agree to a certain point on that. I think it's possible to love another person more than you love yourself. But I'm more like... Think of it as if I love myself enough that the love for myself overflows, yeah. then all of that love is just free to be given to anybody that I want to give it to, anybody around me. Whereas if I'm lacking, I'm going to be sort of like taking it in from other people. Yeah. Does that make sense? So mm. if I'm feeling deficient for myself, then I don't have what it takes to really make that love go outward, that love is coming. It's a little bit hard to describe, but like if your cup is full and overflowing, you have more than enough. So if you're filling up your own self-love cup, your own self-worth cup, and then you're sharing of yourself from the overflow rather than pouring your cup into somebody else's cup and then coming up up empty.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like people can love if they don't love themselves? Like if, I I know you said you believe that people can love someone more than, that they, than they love themselves, but can somebody be in love with another person if they don't love themselves? Um, or at least a healthy love. Can they create healthy love without loving themselves first?
1: I would say probably they can. It depends on, where they're at personally. Like, if someone is really like, I'm the worst person ever, and I'm not worthy of anything. And, you know, if someone's really full of self loathing, they aren't going to have a well of love to draw from. Yeah. So they can care. They can definitely care for another person and feel love for the other person. But when we are lacking on the inside, a lot of times, our actions are motivated by from a place of like extracting something from them. I'm going to do this for you so that I can get something from you. I'm going to um, clean the house so that you will affirm, validate me. Or, yeah. um, and it's it's possible, but it's a lot harder to do that.
0: Okay, so forgiveness is pretty crucial um, Mm -hmm. for moving forward when there's conflict.
1: Yeah,
2: but
0: it's often easier said than done. So how can couples navigate the path of um, to forgiveness through their communication?
1: Um, Curiosity is a big part of that, I think, because if I'm able to be curious about why somebody did something that I didn't like, it helps to diffuse the judgment that I have about it. So the more that I know about the other person and what's going on in them, the more compassion that I can have for their experience. Because if my husband said something unkind to me, for example, and I thought it made it mean that he didn't like me or that he really thought that about me, it would be hard to forgive him. Mm -hmm. But if I knew that he had said an unkind word but had had a really, really hard call at work or had not slept very well or had something going on, had had an argument with somebody at work or something like that, The curiosity of saying, why did you say that and what was going on for you that you said that and understanding, oh, actually his actions was not about me. It's not about how he feels about me. It's because he has things going on. That is so much easier to forgive because now I see the whole picture because before I had only my perception, my half of the picture, but now having his side of it too, or Um, yeah, having, having his perspective helps me go, oh, I might've done the same thing in that same situation.
2: Okay. So
0: what advice would you give to a couple who's thinking about getting married? And then what advice would you give to somebody, to a couple that's been married for 25
2: years? Um, To a newlywed, I would say
1: always be honest, even if you think that it might be hard for your spouse to hear. Be as honest as you possibly can, no matter what, because the problems that people get into is because they weren't as authentic as they could have been because they want their spouse to be happy. So like the first Christmas, for example, you want to go to your parents' house and they want to go to their parents' house and you have to just, I mean, for us, our parents live far away from each other so we couldn't do both or, you know what I mean? Or like, whatever, like how you want to do things. And if you're like, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. And you're really not there. That is a recipe for resentment. Resentment is an absolute relationship killer eventually. It's like a maybe a slow death, but it um, but if you're honest and say, "Listen, I really wanted to go to my parents' house, but I am willing to go to your parents' house because I care about you." Then he knows, "Oh, this is a sacrifice that she made." He, and then they can return it some other time. they can say, "Listen, I really appreciate." you made that sacrifice for me, and now I'm going to return it by doing that or something. But really, honesty is, like, integrity is the key to a relationship that can stay together, I think. Okay. To a couple who's been married for a couple decades, I might say the same thing. Be more honest with each other and with yourself. Um. I might also say, make sure to keep the lens wide because the truth is over a year, the years, you will fall in and out of love with each other. And I know that, well, that, speaking from my own experience, there have been lots of times where we've sort of fallen in and out of love. Obviously, you're not feeling loving feelings after you just had a big fight. Yeah. Or when things are hard, um, and make sure that you keep the the lens wide so that you can remember the good times when you were dating or the good times when you were on vacation or whatever the, you know, remember the good times too. The other thing that I would say to a couple who's been married a long time, something that I'm seeing is that people start to get um, unhappy with their lives and they think something's wrong with my marriage. Hmm. When sometimes your unhappiness has nothing to do with your marriage, but maybe your unhappiness is causing you to pick fights more often. And so it seems like there's something wrong with the marriage. Yeah. So I would say, go inward and say, what do I need to feel happier in my life to feel more satisfied with the life that I'm creating, the life that we're building together. And what can I do to help myself feel more fulfilled so that I can come to my relationship with my spouse and if there are children, with the children as well, from a more happiness and joy and having more fulfillment. So we sometimes look to our relationships for fulfillment because we think, you complete me, you know? Like my spouse should be the one to make me feel good about myself and make me feel happy. But That is not the case. And sometimes we fall into that trap and realize I'm not really happy. Maybe I need a new relationship. When really what you need is to look at your own life and change something for yourself. And then the relationship problems seem so much smaller because you are fulfilled in your own life.
0: Yeah. Um, To piggyback off of that a little bit, let's say somebody's been married, it could be around 25 years, but they've had several children and their youngest is about to move out. They're about to go through empty nest syndrome. Um, What advice might you have for a couple that's about to experience that big change in their life?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm pretty far away from that. So I don't have personal experience to share about that. Um, I might say really look at how you've set up your life and be willing to make changes because you get married and children come and then they go. And sometimes in the process, you can forget who each other is or you set up your life in a way that's um, practical. Like we've set things up in a way that's really practical for raising children. Mm-hmm. But when they're gone, sometimes people forget, like, who are we as a couple? Yeah. So be willing to, if you feel like some of that has been lost, be willing to rediscover who are we as a couple? And not only that, but also who do we want to be? Like, now that we have perhaps more flexibility in our schedule or our budget, what do we want to try that we've never tried before? It's amazing how a little bit of adventure, a little bit of novelty can breathe new life into a relationship.
0: Okay. Um, you mentioned podcasts helped you, um, before, and and you mentioned Brene Brown, who's an author. Do you have books and podcasts that you think more people should listen to or read?
1: It's hard to give recommendations because what a person needs is so particular, mm-hmm. like very unique to you. So the podcast that I really love might be boring to somebody else okay um i can tell you some of the ones that really helped me i remember listening to about progress by monica pecker that was a good one um renee brown does have a podcast i haven't listened to that one um super consistently but she has all her books are really good um
0: i've read a few of her books really good
1: there's a book called remembering wholeness that helped me a lot. Um, trying to think what else it's. Oh, you know what? The book that I would have everybody read is the four agreements. Okay. By Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay. It's a little bit out there in the beginning. He talks about, it's a little bit, I was like, it took me a minute to understand what he was saying. Basically he's saying, I look out into the sky and I see God and then I realize that I am God. Like and that part was like a little bit hard for me to under to get at first. But you finish the book, get through the the understand the four, the four agreements and if you can understand that part, then the first part will make more sense. Okay. But um that one I think is universally helpful.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me today um before we And the recording, could you give the listeners a way to reach you, where to find you, where to contact you for coaching or anything else you want to share?
1: Yeah, um, you can find me on social media, mostly Instagram and Facebook. Andalyn Price Coaching is my um, how you find me there. I have a website, andalynprice.com. Also, I co-host a podcast with my husband called the Marriage Bites Podcast. If you really want to get to know me and who I am and my husband as well because he's hilarious, um, you can uh, I encourage you to go and find our podcast. Um, and then all of those places you can find my contact information and get a hold of me if you want to just um, I always do a free call for the first call. It's never, I never charge for that just to like get to know each other and see if what I have to offer is something that is useful to the client. Um, Yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Andalyn, thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this.
0: All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thoughtfully Mindless. If you enjoyed this, I would greatly appreciate it if you shared this with somebody you know. It really helps me out a lot. And I'd love to hear your comments or feedback. So find me on Twitter or X at TMConvos. Until next time.